Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. something else. Amen. We're going to pray about the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. I wrote uh, down a few things months ago and I just felt led to go back there today and uh, I don't know how to put into words or to express what I feel, but I really feel that God is wanting to speak to someone tonight. And if it's just one, that will be okay. But I believe there's more than one, but if it's just one. And so let's just ask God to, to touch his word to our heart. I'll say this before we pray, that the word is sure and it is settled. And so we're not praying that the word will do its job. What we're praying for is that we can prepare our heart. The parable of the sower is a great, great story. And so uh, the seed, the word of the Lord is the seed. Tonight I've been tapped with the responsibility to sow the seed. But it's all of our responsibility, including me, to prepare my heart to receive the seed. I don't want it to fall by the wayside and the enemy come along and steal it away. But let us hide it in our heart. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to be here. And I'm asking you one more time, oh God, to stand in a sovereign way beside me tonight. And let the word that is irrevocable, that is unbendable, that is unyielding, I pray that word would touch our heart. Let it be like the coal from off the altar. Touch our lips tonight in Jesus' name and help us to be changed in the fear of the Lord. Amen. And you can be seated. I want to um, just talk to you from this subject tonight, a God that cares, a God that cares. In the book of Genesis chapter 17, God identifies himself to Abraham by saying, I am the Almighty God. Now that's a wonderful phrase, a wonderful line. Songs could be written, obviously things rendered from that. But I think we need to understand the sovereignty of that statement. I am the Almighty God. And so the God that we're singing about and worshiping and praising here tonight this is not semantics. We're not just going through a few little hoops here because this is Wednesday and this is what we do. But we are worshiping a sovereign God. We're worshiping a God that created the universe, the ends of the earth. And we have his undivided attention when we pray. The word almighty means all ruling or sovereign. And there can only be one almighty or all powerful God only one. And so that one God is who we are centering our focus on here this evening. Many other times throughout the scripture, God referred to himself as the Almighty. 
not just in the beginning of Genesis, but all the way through to Revelation. As a matter of fact, in Revelation 1 and 8, Jesus appeared to John on the Isle of Patmos, and he identified himself as the Almighty. Amen. And so I'm thankful for that. In Matthew 28 and 18, Jesus told his disciples, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And so this God that I want to take a few moments and underline and, and, and try to highlight perhaps in our mind some things that we already know. If the Lord will help me, I'll just countersink these in our heart. That same God is who we are praying to and who we are worshiping. And that same God knows everything there is to know about us. And I think more importantly, he cares about those things he knows. Malachi 3.16, the Bible reminds us that he records the very words of our conversation. A God that cares. A God that numbers the very head, the hair of our head. A God that cares. A God that is concerned when a sparrow falls from its nest. A God that is certainly involved in the happenings of our life. Colossians 2 and 9 declares to us that the fullness of the Godhead is combined in Christ Jesus. God is sovereign and God is in control. Sometimes it seems like that life and our lives in particular can sort of spin out of control and we don't know where this train is ever going to stop. And it's in those times I have to realize that God is sovereign and God is in control. And God cares about me. And, and, and sometimes we look across the way and, and we understand that God, and we can clearly see in the lives of other people where God is at work in their lives. And it seems like the Lord is not just blessing them, but he's really blessing them. And we question whether or not God is actively involved in our own life. But I just feel like the Lord just impressed upon my heart today just to remind all of us and maybe someone in particular that God truly cares about the details of our life. These are things that we must never forget and we must especially never forget them during stormy and uncertain seasons of our lives. I believe as Holy Ghost filled believers that our, not, our lives are certainly not given to fate and uh, we are not here by happenstance. We didn't just like a tumbleweed blow to this particular corner of the earth but I believe that God is in absolute control of where we are ordered steps brought us to where we are here this evening and I'm not just talking about this address but I believe that ordered steps did bring us here tonight but I believe that ordered steps have brought us to where we are perhaps situations of life circumstances of life that was not God's design have you standing at the intersection of where you are, but we're going to cling to Romans 8 and 28 where the Spirit of the Lord reminds us that wherever we are and whatever situation we find ourselves in, that God can take that if we'll place it in his hand and he can work that to our good. I believe I'm preaching and speaking to people tonight that have absolutely lived that out. You've watched God at work. Maybe a poor decision on behalf of someone else or maybe our own poor decision. Maybe a misguided judgment that we made led us to some consequences in our life. But God took those and he worked them for our good. He didn't roll that up into a bat 
and beat us to death with our own mistake. But when we put it in the hand of God, God said, let me take that and I will use that and I will work that for your good. Our lives are in the sure hands, the sure hands of a God who cares. He understands a God that is powerful enough to speak the world into existence and yet gentle enough to wipe a tear from our eye. That God who cares. And so for just a little while this evening, I would like for us to consider the effect of the power of God that is at work in our lives. I do not believe that God is sitting off at a distance and he's just watching us muddle through life one step at a time. I don't believe that his proverbial arms are crossed and he's just watching to see how we're going to get through this day or work through this situation or this circumstance. But I believe that God is very involved in our lives. As a matter of fact, I believe he desires to be involved. It's up to us whether we involve him or not. But I believe that God desires to be very involved in our life. It's difficult to us for us to grasp that God is not limited because we live in a limited world, in a limited body. Uh, there are certain th- we live in a world of such limitations. We can only stay awake so long. I may put that to the test here tonight. <laughs> we can, our strength will, will only last a certain amount of time. And after a while, we are limited. Our mind is only so sharp, and after a while, it dulls. We are living and trapped in a world of such limitations, so it's hard for us to understand a God that is not limited by time or space or by anything that humanly limits us. The Bible says in Matthew 19 and 26 that with God all things are possible. I know we quote that and we quote that often with gusto, but I wonder even myself if I can quote that with a clear understanding that all things are possible with God. So no matter where we look in Scripture, the message is certainly the same that God can do anything and he can do it anytime, any place and he can do it any way he wants because he is God all by himself. We are most familiar with the term the Lord God Almighty. The very idea of the word Almighty invokes thoughts of deity and certainly invokes thoughts of sovereignty that God alone is in our situation. God alone is in our life. We know that there is none like him, that he is God. That same God manifested himself in flesh, his name, Jesus Christ, and we are introduced to him in the Gospels as a a babe in swaddling clothes in a manger, heralded by heaven itself. Amen. There was nothing that Jesus could not do because he was God manifest in the flesh. Therefore, Jesus healed the sick, He delivered those that were bound. He recovered sight to those that were blind. He made the lame to walk. He cleansed the lepers. He raised the dead. And the list goes on and on and on. I will tell you again just by way of reminder that John said if everything were written that could be written, the world would not contain or could not contain And so we have this limited pool of these resources where we know that God did this, 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 and this. But I believe he did so much more than that. 
Amen. When the sea was raging and his disciples were fearing for their lives, they called him and he stepped to the bow of a ship and he said, peace be still. And immediately the winds and the waves were ceased. And those who knew him best said, what manner of man is this? Amen. Those who had watched him do some of the things that I just talked about said, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? A God who cares. A God who cares. In John 14, when Jesus was preparing to leave the earth, he spoke to those that he entrusted the most. He spoke of a promise. And that promise was not that he would dwell with them, But now he said, I will dwell in you. The Holy Ghost dwelling in us. God's power in operation. I'm glad I've got the Holy Ghost tonight. Amen. I'm going to tell you it's so powerful and it's so important. It's so real. I marvel. Just like this past Sunday morning. Amen. This wonderful lady who has been visiting our church for just a few weeks now just comes down, slips her hands up. I mean, we've had her in, in a Bible study, but I'm going to tell you that for all intent and purposes, knows very, very, has very limited knowledge of what the Lord is able to do, but with just childlike faith, raises her hands. I mean, we didn't teach her what to say, tell her what to say, tell her what to do, or how to respond, but a God who cares that says, I don't want to just dwell with you, but I want to dwell in you. I'm thankful for God's power in operation in our lives. There is nothing supernatural that man can do apart from God. We are very limited in what we can do. We pray a prayer of faith, but we are limited in what we can do supernaturally because we need the hand of God. We must have the Spirit of God in us in order to accomplish anything miraculous. We can't pray a prayer of faith that would heal anybody. We can't do that on our own, or we can't raise the dead on our own. We can't do any of those things apart from the Spirit of God that is at work in operation in our life. But oh, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, don't ever discount what we're doing here tonight. Don't ever discount this moment that will be forever frozen and locked in time. We are talking about the word of God. I'm speaking the word of God. You're hearing the word of God. Amen. I know for all intent and purposes, it's the word that is wrapped up in this leather binding tonight, but nothing could be further from the truth. It is the word that spoke the world into existence. It's the word in Genesis 1 and 2 that says the earth was void without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and it has, as it has been noted many, many times, that when the Spirit of the Lord moved in Genesis 1, it has never stopped moving. It is still moving on this July evening in 2018. Hallelujah. And so God's Spirit and God's kingdom is dynamic. It is not static. And so if you're gonna stand still, I've got sad news for you, you're gonna get left behind. Amen, because the word of God and the spirit of God and the will of God is ever moving. And so I've got to understand that I've gotta connect my heart to this kingdom. I've gotta connect my mind to this kingdom because God's power and God's spirit changes everything it touches. There's a remarkable evidence of change in a person's life when they receive the Holy Ghost. 
I've, I've just noticed, as many of you, the fruit of the Spirit, as it begins to move in a person's heart, as the Spirit of God begins to, to, to deal with a, a person, I'm not negating any responsibility of the church to teach or uh, none of the above, but it's, it's always amazing to me that, that just the Spirit of God alone will bring about many, many changes. Amen. You won't have to say anything about a lot of things. The Spirit of the Lord will just be at work moving in a person's heart, convicting them of certain things, admonishing them in other areas of their life because God's power has the ability to change everything it touches. Old things are changed. What yesterday was foreign is now today. It, it, is, it is so relative to our everyday life. The Spirit makes changes that are evident. And those evidence, those evidence changes are throughout our entire lifetime. We're not just changed for the first six months or the first nine months or the first year or three or five years and then we're just kind of coasting on from there. But God's hand right now, if we could see in the spirit, the potter's hand is working on our heart and on our mind. Amen. That's why the enemy is working overtime right now to distract your train of thought. Amen. I'm not condemning you tonight. I'm telling you that it's a spiritual battle that we're in. But if you'll listen to the word of God, I'm not asking you to listen to Steve tonight. I'm asking you to listen to the voice of God and we'll understand that we're serving a God that really does care. When the spirit moves into the heart of a sinner, they are transformed into a child of God. It is a process of time that the Lord begins to deal with us, drawing us closer and closer. And so when we see a person that was once bound by chains of sin, whatever that may have been, and now they're being used of God in any capacity, can I tell you that is the Spirit of God in action. God is moving. God is working. And God's moving is not always lightning bolts. And it's, it's not always something so profound and a thundering that rattles the very foundation of the earth. But I've watched God move in such subtle ways, but such sure ways. Amen. In a person's life, amen, the Lord just begins to take someone from what they once were. Amen. And he finds them willing and the Spirit of God is moving in their heart. And today they're operating in a capacity that could never have been even imagined by them just a few years before. Last week at camp meeting, we heard a missionary one of our evening services that shared some very powerful things about what God was doing in their particular work in South Brazil. We sat there and we listened to those testimonies and if we're not careful, if we are not real, real careful, a spirit of cynicism can rise up in our heart, a spirit of doubt and unbelief. Brother Woodward followed that by talking about some great things that God was doing in communist countries. And so we got to be very, very careful to think that, well, that's over there and we can, we can become so cynical about those things. But I'm going to tell you that we should never let doubt creep in our heart and overshadow the miraculous things that God is not going to do or not that God has done, but I'm talking about what God is currently doing right now in the hearts of people. It's sometimes so easy to ask ourselves, well, you know, that sounds wonderful, but how could that be possible? We should never forget that just one touch from the Lord and the impossible becomes possible. Sometimes we think that we should only bring big stuff to God, you know, a major crisis. 
But I believe that God is concerned about the things that concerns me. I don't want to portray the Lord as our errand boy. But I really believe that God is concerned about what concerns me. I know that God can heal terminal diseases and we've heard those testimonies and I've been privileged to meet people that have had divine healings in their heart and their life. But I also believe that God can take care of the mundane issues of life that stand before me. Sadly, sometimes as adults, we allow our childlike faith to get lost with the years of living. We've all been there. Someone asked me one time many years ago, they said, well, where's your faith? I said, well, right now, it's all tangled up in reality. But I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Right now, it just seems impossible. Right now, what I'm looking for, my faith right now is pretty tied up, pretty sidelined. But but I'm not going to leave it there. I'm not going to leave it there. I've got to resist the, the temptation to... To, 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 uh, to, to submit only the heavier or weightier matters to the Lord, but I want to understand that God cares about what I care about. If it matters to us, it matters to God. I want to be very careful. God's not a genie in a bottle. Amen. God is not my little errand boy. He's not your errand boy, but I believe God is concerned about the things that concern us. The sons of the prophets in the book of 1 Kings chapter 6 wanted to build a new house and they asked Elisha to go with them to build it and he agreed so they went near the Jordan River and began to cut down timber and while they were working one of the men who happened to be using a borrowed axe cried out and he told Elisha that the head of his axe had come off of the handle and fallen in the water his concern was found in the fact that it wasn't his axe that it was a borrowed axe we may wonder what's the big deal, it's just an axe, but we've got to understand they weren't just down the road from Lowe's and it wasn't as easy as going to Ace Hardware. But Exodus 24, or 22 and 14 further states why or validates why this concern because in the book of Exodus where we are finding the law that's given, it says that if you have something that, that is borrowed and it dies or it is destroyed, it's got to be replaced by the person who borrowed it. More commonly, maybe perhaps, were animals that were borrowed for tilling the soil. And if that animal died on your watch, well, that's a pretty big deal because you've got to replace the animal. And chances are, if you had to borrow it to begin with, you follow me? So if he had to borrow the axe to begin with, it may be a sign that there was already trouble in the water. No pun intended. <laughs> And so now he's lost the axe, so not only is he not in possession of an axe, but he's in, he's in trouble. He's in real trouble here. And so it was so important to the borrower. And so I think because of that, it became important to his God. And when Elisha found out, he said, show me where. Show me where the axe head went into the water. I know this is an ancient story to many of you, but the Bible said he cut a stick and he threw it into the water and the axe head swam Now, that's what the scripture says. Amen. I I think that's pretty amazing to me. The axe head swim. If you think it's amazing to us, just think about the man who borrowed the axe. It It was the greatest sight he had seen all day. 
So God performs these notable miracles in the presence of men who were just merely there building a house. There was nothing spiritual about what these men were doing. They weren't building a church. They were not constructing an altar. They were just building a house. And so if God cared about that, he certainly cares about where we are. It wasn't a life and death situation, but God cared enough to get involved. And I believe that God can take non-spiritual moments and demonstrate his power. Now, I've kind of batted around a little bit today whether or not to share this illustration because not only am I going to give you room to really question my sanity, but I know other people are going to hear this on our website and it will give them room to do the same. But I just want to share this. Many, many years ago, um, my, my wife and I, we owned some three-wheelers. That will tell you how long ago that was. And uh, my three-wheeler was, had some, some problems, and I was repairing it. And I was working down in my barn real late one night, and I was trying to get everything back together, and I was very, very near completion when I dropped a nut and a washer. And I, you can say, well, that's not a big deal, but it was, it was a special nut and washer. And I had to have that nut and washer. And so we looked everywhere. My son and I, we, we kind of just, we heard it. When I dropped it, we heard it hit the concrete. And so it has to be right here. You know, we're, we're not out in an open 40-acre field. We're not in dirt. And so we brushed everything as gently as we could away and we couldn't find it. We got flashlights. We couldn't find it. And, and uh, just completely, we just completely gave up. I could not f- finish the project. I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm dead in the water. And so it was late. It was way after dark. So we just closed everything up, turned out the lights. The next afternoon, I went down to the barn And everything was just as I had left it the night before, except for one thing. This is your blessing Jesus moment, so get ready. In the corner of my tool tray that fit in the top of my old toolbox, in the corner right here was the washer and the nut neatly stacked one on top of the other. Now, you can be seated. <laughs> I was floored. I heard it hit the concrete. Furthermore, you've never dropped anything that just stacked itself neatly in a corner. And so the tool tray, and I don't want to make out like it was across the, the, the room, but it wasn't really even close to where I dropped. Are you with me? I believe that God, now I've lost things way more valuable than a nut and bolt, and the Lord never has replaced that. Way more valuable. Lost for the ages, I suppose. But I just think every now and then God just wants to say, let me show you something. Now, you can add me to the prayer list Sunday if you want to, but I'm just telling you that God cares. 
I think God was just trying to, to show me. I was watching you last night. I was there when it happened. If God can care and, and, and deal with minuscule details like that, then certainly God knows where we are tonight. Is this all right? Joshua 10 is another place of scripture where we find that God just steps into the scene. The Israelites were in the heat of the battle, but they were winning the battle. That's good news, except for it was getting dark. They were losing daylight. And Joshua began to pray to God a most unusual prayer. And Joshua prayed for the Lord to speak to the sun and the moon because we got to keep everything in order. So he said, I need you to speak to the sun and the moon. We need a little more daylight here, God. And so can you just hold the sun and the moon in its place until we finish this battle? And amazingly, God responded to the faith of a man and stopped the sun and the moon until they won the battle. And the scripture goes on furthermore to say that that had never happened before and it's never happened again. But Joshua went down in history as the man who prayed a prayer of faith and God proved to him and to them that he cares. He cares. God is concerned about us. And so when we consider even the first miracle of Jesus Christ. I'm sure many of you have thought about this, but when you think about the very first miracle that Jesus performed, um, it was not a setting that we would generally suspect that God is going to kind of pull out his wares. <laughs> this is not the setting. You would think there's going to be a big meeting. It's going to be a great revival. It's going to be a grand time on the old campground, but it was at a wedding. And it was at that wedding that, that he turned wash water, water that they had used to wash their feet and their hands and their face, those that had traveled, he took that water, that muddy, nasty water, and he turned it into wine. And you know, often the scripture seems to be silent in those very places where you would just really like it to be a little more filled in. While I've been reading this passage of scripture through the years and teaching on it and preaching on it, talking about it, I've often wondered when... Did God turn the water to wine? At what point in this story did the water become wine? Was it when they filled the water pots? Was that when the water turned to wine? Was it when the servants poured the water from the pots into the vessels? Is that when the Lord turned the water to wine? You can feel sorry for my feeble mind, but I wonder, was it, was it when the, the ruler lifted the vessel to his lips that God turned the water to? We don't know when, but we know this, that when the ruler took a sip of wine, he set it down and he said, you have saved the best for last. We don't know when, how, or where the Lord specifically did this. I've wondered when the, when the servants were pouring that water out, was it wine then or was it still muddy water? If it was, God blessed their faith for taking a muddy glass of water to the man who could have taken their life. Amen. We don't know where, but God turned the water to wine. Amen. We know that the ruler said this is the very best. And so God is concerned. It was a wedding. It, we don't know anything about the bride, the groom. We know nothing about the players that are involved. I'm telling you that God is concerned with the things that concern us. So you should never shamefacedly go before the Lord and say, God, one more time, I need to talk to you about this situation because if it matters to you, it matters matters to God. Amen. Amen. 
there's most likely not one person here this evening that hasn't felt the pain of defeat on some level. These failures, whether great or small, remind us of our weakness. They remind us of our humanity. But God is never defeated by anything. We think about the small things that the Lord has taken care of. In our lives, not only here, but also in Scripture, the small things. Then probably, I don't know, this would be up for debate perhaps in the minds of many, but probably one of the the greatest miracles that the Lord performed was not just raising the dead, but raising the really dead. When those around said, but wait a minute, Lord, he's been dead for four days. You don't understand. This didn't happen 20 minutes ago or an hour ago. But he said, as he stood to that door of that tomb or the mouth of the opening of that tomb for Lazarus to come forth. And then he commanded for them to unwrap him or to loose him and set him free. I believe that God can do great things. Certainly he can do great things. And sometimes we don't struggle nearly as much for God to do the great things as we struggle for God to do the trivial things in our life. But if it matters to us, it matters to God. Now if we consider what really happened on the day of Pentecost in the upper room when the apostles were all there together and when Simon Peter preached in Acts chapter 2. What an exciting journey it is to read through the book of Acts in general, but certainly in the second chapter of the book of Acts. In verse 15, Simon Peter assured those who were looking on, somewhat stupefied by the events of that moment, said, these people are not drunk as you suppose. And then he identified clearly from Scripture that they had received the Spirit as it had been prophesied in the Old Testament when he reached back into the book of Joel and said, this is that which was prophesied. I realize that many of us are familiar with this passage, but I want to just read it again. And so I'm going to ask Sister Edith if she'll put this on the screen. Acts 2 and 16, Simon Peter cleared the air, and he certainly subdued any doubt. And he said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And upon my servants and upon my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. Simon Peter stood with a voice of clarity and a voice of reason to give sense to nonsense, at least in the eyes of the skeptics. Very powerful words of instruction, and they are certainly powerful words of enlightenment. But the core of his message is contained in verses 22 through verses 36. And it's in this passage of Scripture that he talks about the resurrection of Christ. Only one verse of Scripture mentions Christ's three and a half years of public ministry. Only one verse speaks about his death on the cross. But 13 verses deal with the resurrection and all of the implications that went along with his resurrection. I'm not going to take the time to read all 13 of those verses but allow me to read the concluding verse 
that, that I mentioned, and that is verse number 36. And this concerns the resurrected Christ. Simon Peter makes this bold statement. He said in verse 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Amen. That's his closing remarks of his sermon. He has preached about this resurrected Christ and he says, so let all the house of Israel know that God hath made this same Jesus, amen, this same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when Simon Peter concluded, there was, according to scripture, an immediate response of those who were looking on and that response is found in in verse 37. The Bible says, now when they heard this, what is this? The resurrection of the Lord. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and they said to Peter and unto the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? I have often relived this moment or at least tried to relive this moment in my own heart and mind while reading this passage of scripture. Amen. He began to preach about this resurrected Christ. Then he reminded them with a finger of uh, of absolute truth that, that condemned their heart. And he said, I want you to know that he is that God has made this same Jesus you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When they heard this, conviction gripped their heart. Amen. It wasn't the death. It really wasn't the death of Christ that caused them to feel this way. It was the resurrection of Christ. It wasn't their it wasn't the death of the Lord that bothered them or troubled them, but when Simon said that he is alive and he has made him Lord in Christ, the fact that he was alive. Forgive me for referring again to another message preached last week, but Brother Woodward talked about the brothers of Joseph. Amen. And how they stood before him in Egypt. They stood in horror as he revealed who he was. Amen. You can read this in Genesis 45 and 3. Amen. They weren't bothered by selling him as a slave. They didn't worry about what happened to him. They didn't know about his betrayal. They didn't know about his imprisonment. They didn't know what happened to him after that. Apparently, they never lost a night's sleep about that. They weren't troubled that he was possibly dead, but they were very troubled when they found out he was yet alive. (laughs) Amen. The moment they realized he wasn't dead, fear gripped them like never before when they realized that he was not only alive, but he he was in a place of ultimate power. It wasn't that he was just alive, but their lives were in his hands. Amen. And now they're thinking, oh, my Lord, the worst day of my life has come upon me because not only is Joseph alive, but he is empowered with life and death. He is empowered. They saw their fate in his hands, and it brought immediate results. This is not unlike what happened on the day of Pentecost because the same Jews that had crucified Jesus Christ now realize when Peter got through preaching, they now realize that they had crucified the Lord of Christ. Amen. That he he was the all-powerful, that he really was the almighty one. That's who I'm preaching about tonight. Amen. This almighty one is the God that's standing right by you in your situation. If I could be so bold as to say tonight, he's the same one that's standing right beside you in your mess. Amen. But he cares where we are. He loves us at all costs. He loves us and he cares. He's concerned. Amen, I'm going to ask you to stand, if you will, and our musicians to come. 
They realized like Joseph's brethren of old, brothers of old, that not only was Christ alive, but he was in full control. They knew they were guilty. And so we should never forget that God has all power. So I don't know what your routine of prayer may be. But sometimes my daily prayer can really not sound like probably what you think prayer is. Because I just need to talk to the Lord. I do want to praise Him and worship Him and all of those things. But there are times I just got to talk to Him. I got to talk to Him about what's troubling me. And I got to walk away from that prayer knowing that if it concerns me, it concerns God. I don't think I'm alone tonight. I don't really think I'm out here on thin ice. When I say that sometimes we can feel like God is so far away. And how could he possibly care about what's going on in my world right now? But if ever I have felt that the Lord asked me to convey something tonight, I feel like the Lord really wants me to tell us that he cares. He cares. He knows exactly where we are. He knows exactly what we're going through. And if you'll just pardon this, the really cool part to me is that he is not a high priest that can't be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But he was in all points tempted. So it's not a God that's trying to wrap his mind around how we feel, but it's a God who really knows how we feel. It's not a God standing back trying to analyze our situation and come up with what it must be like to be standing in our world or wearing our shoes or in our skin, but a God who truly, truly gets it. Fearfully, wonderfully made, David said. In the Bible, he is known as the Lord God Almighty, revealed in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead, And all power in heaven and earth is given to him. Nothing tonight is too hard for God. Sometimes we don't have as much trouble making that leap as we do do believing that God cares about the very thing that's troubling you right now. Now in absolute, I feel like obedience to the Lord. I want you to bring whatever it is that's troubling you with you to the altar tonight. Amen. I know that's just in our heart and in our mind. But I want us to just step out in faith and let's just bring it. But I want us to come differently. Let's come tonight with an assurance that really he does. He really, really, really does care. Amen. Can we just lift our hands, our voices? Amen. Let's lift our voices to God. Amen. And with faith in our mouth, with faith released in our heart, let's believe God to touch our lives our world, our situation, our family, our children, our companions, our future. God really does care. He really does care. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
yes, yes, yes. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.